The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm sorry that last verse was left off your insert sheet. That's a a permanent PDF we receive and we're not able to uh, alter it, but uh, you were missing that quite significant, really, uh, John 3.16 verse on your reading. Sorry about that. And Jeremy, just to um, be prepared, uh, we may need to sing uh, Behold the Lamb, the uh, first and fourth verse at the end of the sermon as well as during communion. Okay, brother? Okay, all right, okay. This is the largest 8 a.m. service I've seen here since I've been here. It's great to have you here at the early service. I love Nicodemus. I'm not sure exactly why, but I think of him as a, he's probably the best I could have done in the days of Jesus here on earth. And I sympathize. I, I probably would have done much worse. Um, and Nicodemus, uh, he, he, didn't, uh, he didn't rise to the whole you know, occasion, 
but here he is, a Jewish leader belonging to the strict sect of the Pharisees. He's a teacher of the law. He's a ruler of the people, so he has some significant status and presence in his community of Jews and of Pharisees. He has some rank. And so he has a lot to lose when he takes a risk. He can lose status. He can lose his standing with his peers. He might lose the next vote of whatever kind of vote there is for selecting leaders. Uh, Those are costly things to all of us. And yet we hear of Nicodemus here in today's gospel coming to Jesus. Albeit at night, you know, under cover of darkness, he comes to Jesus because he is fearful of his status and his stature and how, what people will think of him. He's feeling self-conscious. He does not want to be seen with Jesus. He doesn't want others to know that he is actually being drawn to this person, Jesus. This Jesus who appears to operate outside all normal channels of Jewish religious piety. He certainly will operate outside those channels today as we hear what he, this dialogue between him and Nicodemus. Of course, we hear about Nicodemus only two more times in all the Gospels. Uh, there is a gathering of the Pharisees who are resentful about Jesus and his teaching later in John's Gospel. And Nicodemus uh, carefully speaks up and defends Jesus at this contentious meeting. And he is shut down immediately by the other Pharisees. And most poignantly of all, though still under cover of darkness, it is Nicodemus bringing myrrh and aloe for burial, joins Joseph of Arimathea, another Jew, on the Friday of the crucifixion, when it's all been horribly accomplished, the deed is done, this broken, bloodied, corpse still nailed to the cross. And John tells us it is Joseph and Nicodemus who no doubt lovingly take the body of Jesus down from the cross, extract the nails or pulls his arms and feet off the nails. And they find a tomb that is nearby that is unused and no doubt lovingly lay him in the tomb. What happened to Nicodemus after Jesus rose from the dead? We do not have a word. I'd like to think hopefully and optimistically about what happened to Nicodemus. And partly because of this encounter Nicodemus had with Jesus on this day from this gospel reading. There are actually three stunning moments in this encounter between Nicodemus and Jesus. Here, Nicodemus seeking a good Pharisee, a fearful man, the well-educated, bright believer, believes in God, believes in God's law. He even instructs others in God's law. And he um, has come to Jesus. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Those are not cynical comments. I believe those are comments of respect and um, just huge curiosity, huge curiosity about this itinerant preacher. And the evidence is in the signs that he has accomplished. People are being healed. Demons are being cast out. 
here are these three profound insights that Jesus bestows on Nicodemus while he bestows them on us as well. We must be born again, Jesus says. Born again or born from above? Is that any easier to understand? What does that mean? God's Son will be lifted up and will draw all people to himself. Lifted up? What does that mean? God's will and work is for everyone. Really? I thought the Jews were God's chosen people and God's will and work. The God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, the Lord, his work was for the Jews. In each case, Jesus works from the Jewish scriptures of the Old Testament, from Ezekiel to the book of Numbers, and we can perhaps say, and from Genesis, because we certainly have Genesis there today speaking to this third moment. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. If you believe in the law, you live the law, you teach the law, you memorize the law, you know the law is the ways and the means to be right with God by keeping the law and that God owes you something as, as, as well as you keep the law, he owes you more. It must be by the law. Yes, we've been taught that for thousands of years, a Jewish person would say. And Jesus is saying, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. First primary clue. Sometimes I think we sort of digress to that must be waters of baptism, but I think probably not. It's probably Jesus in his own marvelous biblical knowledge, uh, thinking of the prophetic word of Ezekiel, speaking to a broken, uh, despondent, despairing nation of a new day. And Ezekiel writes in the 35th chapter of his book, a prophetic word from the Lord. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. Not anything that you will do to be clean. Something will be done unto you and you will be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. It's going to be a marvelous bathing in these waters. And Ezekiel goes on even more boldly, and I will give you a new heart, people of God, and a new spirit I will put within you, people of God, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, a heart of stone that cannot feel, cannot care, is bitter towards other people, is self-hating, a heart of stone that is inflexible and all it can do is crush others. And the promise from Ezekiel is the Lord will give us a heart of flesh, which is malleable and gentle and a heart of flesh that can be moved to feel, to care, to empathy, to compassion, um, uh, the ability to love oneself and to love neighbor and to love God. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Whether the scales begin to fall from Nicodemus' eyes or not, I doubt that they do yet at this point. But Jesus is saying to be born again, it means you're going to have to take that whole framework of the law and set it over here and set it aside. 
and you are going to have to see things in a completely new way of how one gets right with God. Round number two. How can one be born from above? Enter into the womb a second time? Nicodemus probably doesn't even mean that literally. He probably means, well, of course you can't enter into a womb a second time, so there must be something more here. Tell me what you mean by being born again or born from above. And so it almost seems like another redirection. Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This is a whole new track of truth in pursuit of knowledge, in pursuit of God. What does that mean as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness? Well, indeed, Jesus is certainly referring to another passage of the Old Testament, the 21st chapter of Numbers, when the people come to Moses because they're in the desert. They have been grumbling again, surprise, surprise, and they are now experiencing a horrible um, uh, experience of snake bites, and it's killing some of them. And uh, they, they associate the two events. They're mumbling and grumbling in bitterness toward Moses, and now they're paying the price. These snakes have all appeared. And uh, so they go to Moses, their leader in the wilderness. We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed to the people, here the, the great giver of the law, And the Lord says to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees the pole shall live. So Moses did what God said. He made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, a person could look at the bronze serpent of the pole on the pole and live. Now I know that probably goes contrary to the way a lot of us think of snakes. I remember Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I know that was a long time ago, and if you're not my age, you may not remember that movie, but it has been replayed a few times. Do you remember Indiana Jones had a particular phobia? He could take on any, anybody and anything except snakes. And so he ran into the cobra at the beginning of the movie in his airplane cockpit, and he runs into the pile of snakes in the temple where he's about to descend. And uh, he looks at them and he says, I hate snakes. That's my wife as well, too. I hate snakes. She may have softened a little bit by the grace of God in recent years. But here we are with a serpent on a pole. Here we are with a serpent on a pole that the American Medical Association for the past century has had as their symbol of healing. And uh, no doubt partly tied back to this story of Moses in the desert and the serpent and the snake. And then it kind of, as one thinks through it, yeah, well, yes, I mean, snakes, they, they shed their skins, for example. And so they experience a kind of resurrection or a, a, a renewal or a restoration as they shed their skins. And uh, they can be very extraordinary lethargic. And then as they emerge into their new lives and out of the skin and the, the new spring, summer season, they're all of a sudden dynamic and active again and really on the move. And sort of a, a lovely visual sacramental picture of healing. So the AMA, American Medical Association, has it up there as a, a, a reminder of um, the possibilities of healing. But here is Jesus using this image. 
I want to quote it exactly. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So with that image, that beautiful image of healing, restoration, renovation, renewal, born again, Jesus says, don't look to that snake on a pole in the wilderness anymore. Look to this man on the cross that is ahead of us, that is to come for your life and your wholeness and your well-being. Of course, Nicodemus is puzzling over all this. And then third and perhaps most profound, we have this greatest of summary from John. John 3.16, we see it on placards driving down the road, or we see the whole thing written out riding down the road. 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And the, the verse that follows that is equally uh, lovely. If God, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. With this wonderful picture of the universal intention of God to save all, all who come to him, all who seek him, all who do so by keeping the law. No. All who are drawn to that cross and the magnetism of that man nailed to the cross and are reduced to love before the cross as they witness the love of God through his son nailed to the cross for us and for our salvation. And so we'll heard it in the Genesis reading. Here's the great launching of the Abrahamic story, narrative of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've just finished 11 chapters of Genesis of the primeval history. And here the story begins of Abraham in the 12th chapter. And what uh, the Lord uh, first tells Abraham is in verse 2, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. He has made him a great nation, and he has blessed his people, and he has made Abraham's name great. And he, con- he continues, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And we know that for all those who believe, those are the children of Abraham Paul declares, not by blood descent, but by faith descent. All who believe are children of Abraham and enjoy this relationship with their heavenly father. Well, what a day for Nicodemus. Perhaps what a day for us. Jesus offers to Nicodemus the fulfillment of Ezekiel's new heart and new spirit, not by obedience to the law, but by putting your eyes on him. And especially put your eyes on him at the foot of the cross and understand the significance of God's love, the depth of God's love, and the effectiveness of the cross to take away the sins of the world. Jesus offers this heart, this spirit, this cross to everyone. Hallelujah. Well, I wish we had the rest of the story of Nicodemus. What happened to him? We know he came to Jesus at night, seeking him out. We know he defended Jesus at a meeting of the Pharisee, Pharisee council, and he gets shouted down. And we know he lovingly, compassionately, generously took Jesus' broken, torn, and bloodied body and saw that Jesus 
was placed honorably in a tomb for the Sabbath. And that's all we know. When Jesus is risen, what happened to Nicodemus? Well, I hope he met the risen Jesus. I hope he abandoned the law as a means of getting right with God. I hope he learned life as a follower of Jesus. I hope he learned that salvation is not by keeping the law. I hope he learned that salvation is by grace alone, God's free gift. Through faith alone, our response to that free gift, to say thank you, through, I'm sorry, by Jesus Christ alone, the only one who can rescue us from where we are. I remember Robin Williams playing the role of Professor John Keating in that great movie, Dead Poets Society, and um, teaching them carpe deum, seize the day. And there's one great line in there they have built to a, to a, a critical climax in that movie. And uh, he's got a great following uh, behind him of these young boys. And uh, 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 Robert Williams says to them, Carpe diem, seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. That is what Jesus does. He makes our lives extraordinary. Filled not with power, but filled with love and grace and kindness. The fruit of the Spirit and more. May we come to understand and see what Nicodemus wrestled with that day to come and see and understand. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. His cross means everything for us and is offered to you and me to come to the foot of the cross, look up at the, from the foot of the cross, and be empowered to say thank you. And he has a gift for you from the cross to go forth in the power of the Spirit to see your life more and more transformed. I feel like it's kind of amusing, although our next rector, Gary, is arriving here, having spent most of his adult life in a parish uh, a good bit larger than Prince George, immersed in it as a lay leader, and then 10 years ago, leaving his business world and going to seminary for three years, and then coming back and planting a church. That was his second church plant. He uh, actually helped with a church plant in Pittsburgh. So basically had nine years in church planting. And now he's coming to a 300-year-old church. You know, the, the wind of the Spirit will just blow you where you never expect. You would never expect a Gary Beeson, the church planter of the diocese, to end up in a 300-year-old church. Unless the Lord knows that this is a church that is now due for a replant. And what better person to replant a church, which is not a negative comment about anything that we are, but is an expecting comment of what we will become or are becoming, um, what more effective leader could one have to replant a church than to call a church planter who has all that background in a sizable church life, left that behind to be a church planter, and now he's here in a few days to replant a church. And he also knows the cross. He has been to the foot of the cross he has done what we all must do, have our whole worlds turned upside down and no longer 
look to our own ways and means of getting right with God, but knowing it's only through Jesus and our relationship with him that we are right with God and provided the Holy Spirit for the whole of our lives. I'm not quite sure how this song works at this point, but I'm going to ask Jeremy if we could simply sing this communion hymn, which is in your bulletin, and uh, let us stand and end this sermon with uh, verse 1 and verse 4, and then we'll hear it again a few minutes later.